people seeing our kids and having a good time, but recognizing that as we sit here tonight in the darkness, this is what it was like, right? It was this moment of, uh, of craziness. Can you imagine if you've ever been you know, on the highway and you're riding in your car and it's late and you're in the middle of nowhere looking for a, even a hotel to stay in. And even in that, it's kind of crazy, but imagine literally you're coming into the town, you have a pregnant wife giving birth, and, and you have no idea what to do, and there's this fear and this wondering and saying, what's going on, and why can't we find a place to stay? And, and we're going to have this Jesus, the Son of God, be born in a barn. And in this moment, right, there's this questioning and wondering in the darkness. And you have to recognize then that is in God's plan, in God's plan, when he looked down to earth and, and we tell the story of Christmas, it's this understanding that the world itself was in darkness. There's a level of brokenness, isn't there? We see it in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, when God says to Noah, he says, how great, how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth that, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So you have to recognize that at the fall, if you don't know what that means, that's the moment where sin entered the world, this willful disobedience, this disconnect between humanity and God occurred. And there's a separation. And in that perfect timing, in the context of eternity, God spoke and said, this is the moment. This is the moment that I'm sending you, Jesus. This is the moment that we're going down. This is the moment that I'm going down through my son. This is the moment. Because I see the darkness. I see the darkness in the human heart. I see the disobedience. I see the sin. And so in that moment, we're talking at Vintage, that, that in the moment, in the perspective now of, of the angel, the angel who is nominated, who's told, by, who's told listen, I want you to now go to, to the shepherds at night, and I want you to share the good news with them. And the story goes in Luke chapter 2. You've read it a million times. The story of Jesus and the birth, it says in verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they, when they had seen them, they spread the word concerning them and told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Tonight, we, in this looking towards Christmas tomorrow, it is the celebration, verse 10 tells us, of good news. Jesus came to earth to save his creation, to save us. From what we said earlier, this destruction, this path of destruction that we're on. God, it through in Genesis and talking to Noah, shared with us the, the brokenness that defines human beings, the brokenness that defines the world in which we live. Selfishness, pride and arrogance, competition, fear, the list goes on and on. And so God, looking into the, into the darkness of the moment, seeing our wickedness, our willful disobedience, our sin, he came to earth to become... Emmanuel. This understanding of Emmanuel, God, is with us. God, seeing the brokenness of humanity, looking down and stepping into the moment to become like us, to serve us, to sacrifice himself for one purpose, to restore all that was broken. Creation itself, yes, he was restoring, but primarily our relationship humanity's relationship, the nearness with him. So just press pause in a moment. We celebrate Christmas, right? We all love it. We love it as kids. We love it as adults. We love it as, as in our entire life. But the reality for us in Christmas is that God looked down into, into brokenness, into into your brokenness. Like the, the things in your life that are broken. Like, can you name those things? Like, do you know the things that are broken? Are you self-aware enough to, to be able to name those things in your own heart and in your mind that literally you recognize as being something that defines brokenness, something that defines disobedience, something that you could literally define as sin if you're willing to go that far? And so when God looked down, he saw not just the brokenness of the world, but because of his ability to do all things at all times, he looked at the world's, the world's brokenness and your brokenness and my brokenness. And he looked in and said, well, he can never have relationship with me unless I do something. She can never have relationship with me unless I do something because they can't do enough. They can't make it happen 
Look how they just fail again and again and again. They just don't have the ability. They don't have the power. They don't have the the know-how. They don't have the ability to do anything in their own strength to, to heal their brokenness, to remove their sin, and to restore this relationship. So, I will go. Like, when we celebrate Christmas, guys, you have to recognize it's a direct moment of pointing into your brokenness and your sin. The darkness of our room speaks to the reality that each of us, like the words of Genesis, how great the wickedness of the human race, that the inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, they're evil all the time. Can you attest to that in your own life? In the last 30 minutes, can you attest that your mind's gone somewhere that it should not have? All of us have this brokenness. And these things literally keep us from relationships. So, so at Christmas, Jesus, Jesus comes for that reason. And the angel says, oh, this is good news. I have to declare it. I have to tell the whole world. I want everyone to know we're going to get the angel, the angel band and chorus behind me. And we're going to say glory to God in the highest. This is good news. The intention of God at creation is now once again going to be initiated and realized because Jesus has come. Do you realize that at one point in time, creation and human beings were perfect? I mean, men, Adam had bulging muscles and was six foot four. I just made that up. But, you know, I'm getting at women. I mean, it was perfect figure and everything, right? You would have thought you were beautiful because you would have believed Jesus. You would have believed God. There was this perfection. There was no sin, no death, no pain, no suffering. And the angels celebrate because they missed that. They saw it. And they missed it. As in, like, they lamented the fact that it no longer was that way and lived in celebration with thanksgiving and praise, so excited that God was initiating again a movement towards human beings and back to the world to restore what had been lost, to restore Genesis, to restore Eden. And so when we sit here at Christmas... And we celebrate the things we celebrate and give the time to the things we give time to. God is remembering your sin and he's celebrating the movement of his movement into a broken world for you. And so not to be Debbie Downer here. But it's not. This is this is good news. Yes, we're aware of our brokenness and sin, but I'm aware of the power of God to restore what was lost and to bring me back into relationship so that all of us, all of us can say, this is good news that has caused great joy for me and all the people. The Messiah, the Savior, the Lord was born as a baby. And we say like the angels, glory to God in the highest. This is the moment. This is the understanding. All of us should say amen. Because God moved in a way that you never could. If you've never heard this story, I apologize. If you've never heard it, and I'm thankful to be able to tell it to you. 
And it may sound crazy, and on paper it does. But I'm here to attest tonight that I believe with all that's in me, that at one point in time, God looked down and saw my broken and says, I want to be with Steve. I want to be in relationship with him. I want to know him, and I want him to know me. And I believe everyone celebrated because they wanted me to have a relationship with God just as they all wanted you to have relationship with him also. Because the message for every age, from our newborns to the elders in our midst, is this. God so passionately, with everything inside of him, loved the world and all who lived in it, that he sent his only son at Christmas... To be born in a stable so that whoever, whoever would believe in him, commit their life to him, follow and obey him as a heavenly father, they would never die, but that they would live with him forever and ever and ever in perfection and in perfect, in perfect being in heaven in this Genesis Eden type expression where I'm six foot four, 230 pounds of pure muscle. Praise God. That's my first thing. God, I love you, but give me, give me muscles. I've never had them. You know it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, this is the story of Christmas. Listen, it's amazing. It's amazing to recognize that he did this for us. He did this for creation. He did it for you. So leading into Christmas tomorrow, I have I want to ask you these simple questions. You can write them down, take a picture with your phone, or just remember them if you want to, or just answer them on the spot. It doesn't matter. Four questions. <clears throat> Number one, I want you to hear the wording on this. I intentionally wrote it this way. Have you experienced with your mind, with your will, and your emotions the good news of Jesus? Read it again for yourself. I'll read it along with you. Have you experienced with your mind, your will, and your emotions the good news of of Jesus. You see, here's the thing. I hear this. For so many people, getting saved, going to heaven, is purely in their mind. It's just a mental assent, a mental recognition that's completely disconnected from actually their emotions and their feelings. And so in this, I'm saying, in the idea of Christmas, have you experienced with your mind, your will, and your emotions the love of God, the reality of Him coming down and doing all of this for you? Have you experienced the emotions, as Timothy said a couple of Sundays ago, has the quarter dropped from into not just the mentalist, has the quarter dropped all the way to the bottom to where it affects your mind, your will, and your emotions? The second question, do you have a relationship with Emmanuel, God who is near us today? Is your God with you and in you and relating to you and leading you and guiding you? Or is he the magic genie? You pull the lever on when you need something or you get caught in a bind. 
God forbid that's your experience, because if it is, then I have good news. There's so much more. There is so much more. The third question, do you believe in Jesus? Have you submitted and committed your whole will, your whole life to him? And are you following him today? I mean, y'all, this is like it's the. It's one of those, the problem that we have with God so often is that we create him in our own image. When we think about God, he looks a little bit like us. He sounds a lot like us. He thinks a lot like us. We've created him in our own image. But he is God creator. He is what we call Holy. He is all the omnis. Omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He is all of those. He's not made in your image. He is so much greater. And in that, he says, but I want to lower myself in a sense to be completely with you, in you, and a part of you, and you be a part of me. That, my friends, is miraculous. Do you know that? Fourth, are you confident that you will live with him forever. Like confident. You know what I mean. Not that, nothing, none of that. I mean, literally, I'm living in 100% confidence that I'm going to live with him forever. The greatest tragedy, in my opinion, in the world is when we miss the very purpose for which we were created. The greatest tragedy is that we have, listen, listen, as human beings, we have been created by God, for God, for relationship with Him. We have been created by God, for God, to live in relationship with Him that affects our mind, our will, and our emotions. The Creator God who draws near to me, who leads me, who loves me, who tells me how awesome I am, but is honest enough as a friend and as a father to tell me when I'm in sin, disobedience, to call me back to Him. That's the kind of God that we're talking about at Christmas. That's why Jesus came. Are we confident that we're living with Him forever? If we're not, and if we struggle with these questions, then the good news is that we get to embrace a whole new understanding and level of Christmas, and this can be the first one. Listen, I've talked to so many people in the last few years who said, in fact, I was talking to someone here at Vintage, she goes, you know, I used to hate Christmas until I gave my life to Jesus, and I turned on the radio and realized, oh, all the songs are talking about Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I love Christmas. It's all new to me. It's all come alive to me. I get it now. It's amazing. That's kind of how she said it. And this is the reality of what we're talking about. That our great purpose to know him and to walk with him. Listen, I can get up here and just say some great Christmas story about some, you know, some camels and some wise men, all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you the good news. I want to tell you what the angel was talking about. He, the angel meant it. Shepherds, I wish I could put my hand on your head and transfer the knowledge of what I'm talking about. Because it's amazing. It is such good news. It's the best news the world's ever known. It's good news. 
And this tonight, each of us are in one of three places with Jesus. Either we don't know him or we are walking with him or we were walking, kind of stopped walking and just start walking again. Only one of three places. Either I don't know him, I am walking, or I stopped and need to apologize to Jesus for stopping and need to start walking again. And so tonight as we, we sit here with our, our beautiful, lovely candles, right? We're sitting here in the midst of, of the darkness of our room. We've got some stage lights up here. And I have one lone candle in front of me. And the idea is very simple. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of darkness, Isaiah and Matthew both say, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Like, you know how light works from a distance, right? It's like a little bitty flicker. You can barely see it. The light has dawned. It's off in the distance, but it's coming. But it's coming. Jesus said in chapter 8 of, verse, uh, of John, verse 12, says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's go ahead and stand tonight. So as I stand here tonight on the floor with you, and I'm holding a, a candle, I, a light has dawned into the room, a candle. And I want us to be aware tonight of the darkness of our own hearts, the things we've talked about, the brokenness, the sin, the disobedience, those pieces in us that we just cannot get things right. But I want us to recognize that there is a light that dawned, a light that is still dawning today. Because of the love of Jesus, because of the love of the Father, Creator God, who wants you to know Him, who wants you to experience Him with all of your being, who wants to walk with you, who wants to talk to you, who wants to lead you, who wants you to live in confidence that you know Him and will live with Him forever. Tonight, I want you just to have a time with the Lord as we pass the candlelight around. You're more than welcome to sing along with Harvest and the team. You're more than welcome to, to pray. You're more than welcome to sit and just be still before God. You're welcome even tonight to, to watch the light spread and recognize this is the work that Jesus did at Christmas. We behold a great light. This is his work in our own hearts. As you get the light, pass it to the person behind you.